0: You're listening to The Q's Podcast, Episode 53. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're choosing The Q's Podcast, where we'll talk to credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager. In this podcast episode, we'll explore Financial Accounting Standards Board, or FASB's accounting changes related to ASU 2016-01. This amendment relates to credit union investments and investment alternatives. And to do this, we brought in two subject matter experts to help us provide some clarity and understanding. Our guests include John Pesch, Director at CUNA Mutual Group, and Brian Mogensen, Principal for Financial Institutions at Clifton Larson Allen. Some key takeaways from this show include the basic scope and applicability of the new rule, impacted investments and investment alternatives, and what the rule changes mean for your credit union and how to respond. Let's jump right into my conversation with John Pesch and Brian Mogensen. All right, welcome to the show, Q's podcast listeners. Today, we have guest John Pash. John is the director of Executive Benefits at CUNA Mutual Group. If his name sounds familiar and you've been listening to the show, you know that he was a guest not too long ago. He was uh, the guest on episode 46 where we discussed the new tax reform and the impact on executive benefit expenses. John, thanks for joining us once again. Thank you. John, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you and CUNA Mutual Group can help credit unions.
1: I am the director for our executive benefits program here at CUNY Mutual Group. Through that program, we offer a variety of uh, executive benefit programs, executive compensation plans, as well as a variety of investment management services to credit unions, which is part of what led us to this uh, podcast today talk a little bit about the accounting rule change that is forthcoming and its impact to credit unions.
0: And we have a second guest on the show. I want to welcome Brian Mogensen, Principal Financial Institutions at Clifton Larson Allen. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brian, and how you and Clifton Larson Allen can help credit unions.
2: Well, great. Well, it's great to be here, and uh, yeah, Clifton Larson Allen. You know, we're a professional service firm. You know, we do everything from outsourcing to traditional CPA services, the audit and tax services, and wealth management services. You know, we are a lot of the number one provider of audit services to the credit union industry, and we have quite extensive services that we provide throughout the United States to the credit unions.
0: Today we'll focus on Financial Accounting Standards Board or FASB twenty sixteen-01. It's regarding recognition and measurement of financial assets and financial liabilities. Although FASB issued ASU 2016 more than two years ago, the dates by which the accounting changes need to be updated reflect the rule is upon us. And yes, the rule does affect credit unions. Brian, I'll start with you. Could you share with our listeners a high-level overview of what's going on?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, Back on January 5th of 2016, this ASU came out and deals with financial instruments, the overall recognition and measurement of financial assets. And financial liabilities and like you said it does affect credit unions whether you're aware of that or not Some of the main provisions or key points that would affect credit unions or could affect some credit unions out there is it's going to require equity investments except for those accounted under the equity method of accounting ie like QSOs. these equity investments are now going to have to be measured at fair value with the changes in fair value recognized through net income. So for any of those credit unions that have these investments and are currently reporting them, say, as available for sale, you're really going to have to change your accounting to trading. It also allows for entities to measure equity investments that do not have readily determined fair values to measure those still at cost minus any impairment. I think that this concept should be fairly remote for most credit unions. It also has a few other provisions that it states in there, some that probably do not affect credit unions. There's probably about eight or ten provisions in there. Those are the main ones that it applies to, and really it comes down to really the fair value reporting through the income statement.
0: Thanks, Brian. Now, the Financial Accounting Standards Board has, of course, made changes before. Why did FASB make these changes, and how does it affect credit unions?
2: Why they made the change, there's probably a few key provisions. And really what it comes, the first part really comes down to is the standards board. They're really continuing to work on improving the financial reporting standards and really trying to achieve convergence with the international financial reporting standards, IFRS. This is one of the provisions that came out there to try to converge and have U.S. accounting and international accounting, you know, be, be similar. And the main reason why they affect the credit union, is the change was to require most equity investments measured at fair value, like I mentioned before. And that's to be consistent with IFRS number nine. So IFRS had that statement, and this is really to converge those, converge the U.S. standards into the IFRS standards.
0: Brian, you've already mentioned some investments, right? What are some other things that it might impact?
2: For the most part, it's just, you know, from a credit union perspective, it's just going to really affect equity-type investments. Uh, It's really not going to affect anything else. I know some things that it will not affect, like written equity options or cash options on equity securities or equity-based indexes or convertible debt or preferred stock that must be redeemed by the issuing agency, or redeemable at the option of the investor. So pretty much all the provisions really center around the equity investments. And for those unions that have equity investments on their books, that's what's going to really affect. It won't affect, say, your investments, your equity method accounting that you do for your union service organizations. Mm -hmm. It will not affect your QSO accounting.
0: Thanks, Brian. I want to jump over to John. What have you been seeing with credit unions, how are they responding?
1: Through our executive benefits program, we really help credit unions with investments in what would be considered non-703 compliant investments. Investments that are used to offset the cost of employee benefits and to fund for executive deferred compensation plans. What we've been seeing from credit unions with those investments really does depend on the underlying plan that the investment is in place for. For instance. Those investments that are just being used to offset employee benefits, a lot of those investments are or have been in equity investments. A lot of growth-oriented equities, as well as dividend-oriented equities, which when they were accounted for and they're available for sale, they were able. To, the Cratons were allowed to let the volatility or the underlying fluctuations of the portfolio really remain off of the income statement. By making this change, what we're finding is that credit unions that are aware of this rule and that are being responsive to it are making changes to those portfolios to reduce the exposure to equities, increase the exposure to other types of investments that may not fall under the equity treatment as a result, allowing them to continue to carry those investments at available for sale or under held to maturity, which helps to uh, smooth out the income statement impact of those investments. Conversely, investments that are used to fund for non-qualified FERD compensation plans, those types of investments generally are meant to track to the account balances that are owed to the participants. In those situations, having the investment account treated as trading actually works out in a more beneficial manner to the credit union in that they have a better asset liability management mix, meaning that's the portfolio actually hits the income statement exactly in line with how the deferred compensation plan might also hit the income statement. What we have found, though, is that in working through our program, that a lot of credit unions do view the non-703 compliant investments somewhat separately from the, the rest of their investment portfolio and that there may be some misunderstandings or misconceptions that this rule may not necessarily impact the rest of their investment portfolio. And that's one of the things I want to make sure that we draw attention to or create awareness about is that this does, in fact, impact all investments that a credit union owns. So for example, credit unions that are in mortgage backs may not necessarily be impacted if they're actually purchasing those mortgage backs directly. On the other hand, if they're going out and purchasing a mutual fund of mortgage backs, now that mutual fund is going to be considered an equity and has to be treated as trading under the rule. So the net result of which is that a lot of credit unions that we're working with, we're finding that we have to do a lot of education. And as a result of that education, once they understand the impacts and they consider what they're trying to offset or what that investment is being used for, they're making more informed decisions about whether or not they should allow the accounting rule change to just take take effect or if they should be reconsidering what types of investments
0: they're actually in. So there is a lot to consider. You're helping them with some misconceptions. Brian, I'll toss it back to you. What is the process for changing from AFS to trading?
2: Yes, that's a great question. Because like those credits that are going to have to apply this standard and adopt it, you know, say January 1st of 2019, to apply these amendments, basically what the creating will have to do They'll have to post a cumulative effect adjustment to the balance sheet at the beginning of the fiscal year of adoption. So what does that mean? That means basically you have to reflect the amount of what would be, say, like if you had these as available for sale, the unrealized gains or losses, that accumulated amount, you'll have to post that as a cumulative effect adjustment to the beginning of the year balance. So it basically is going to be affecting your reserves at the at the beginning of the years. And I know that sort of like for most credients, I think some of the thought process is, you know, that's a prior period adjustment. No, it's not a prior period adjustment. This is just a cumulative effect adjustment in accordance with accounting standards. So it's not saying that your balance sheet was incorrect the prior year. It's just affecting the beginning of the year for the adoption of this new standard. I think that's when some of the credens might be troubled by that because they don't want to go back and change prior year balances. but you're really just changing it for your accounting and auditing, you know, for your financial reporting. Very so, nice. Well, it's like a re- like it's like a restatement. It's not officially a restatement of your financial statements.
0: I appreciate both of you providing some clarity and meaning for podcast listeners. This form can be used to help educate and provide you know, basic scope and application of this new rule and how it's impacting investments. So I appreciate both of you very much sharing your time and talents today. If people want to reach out to you, how can they best connect with you? Brian, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah, the best way to reach me, there's two methods. Either feel free to call me. My direct line is 602-604-3551. Or you can reach me at brian.moganson.com at claconnect.com. You can also go to our website, and you can you can also f- locate me on on Clifton Larson Allen's website if you didn't get the, the number today.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Brian. All right. And, John, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to connect with you?
1: Yeah, my contact information, obviously, we can be reached through Q's with our preferred partnership with the uh, Q's. But my direct contact information is area code 608-665-8223 or via email john.pesh at com.
0: All right. Thank you for your time. I am glad we could connect. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Q's. We really appreciate you joining us, whether this was your first episode or you have listened to all 54 episodes so far. We have listeners from 21 countries now. Whether you are listening from the United States, Canada, Spain, Trinidad, and Tobago, Antigua and Barbuda, Germany, or other countries in the world, your voice is important to us. If you would like to send us a comment, tell us what topics you'd like to listen to, or simply want to tell us what you think about the show, feel free to send me an email. You can reach me at podcast at You can find this podcast at cues.org slash podcast, or if you want to receive the newest episodes as soon as they are available, you can do what a lot of cues podcast listeners have done already. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or Google play. You just need to download an app for podcasts and do a search for cues podcast. And you can go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to share the news of the cues podcast with your colleagues. We also want to thank CUNA Mutual Group as a longtime supporter of Ques. If you'd like to know more about how CUNA Mutual Group can help you and your organization, please visit cues.org slash CMG. For more talent development content from CUES, Q's, visit cues.org, that is C-U-E-S dot O-R-G. If you're a Qes member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit QS.org slash membership to learn more. Cues is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, directors, and future leaders. To learn how QS can help you realize your potential, visit QS.org today.